Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Cisco Technology Podcast. It's me, Justin Mullen. Uh, you can contact the show, as I like to call it, a show, uh, by uh, email cool. at... Uh, yeah, right. Oh, Joachim's here. You couldn't even wait for me to finish the intro before like jumping in. So you get out of your floor straight away. You have, yeah. So uh, email me at justin.wollin at cisco.com. How's the Coke going? Coke Zero's fine. Settling well. Ugh. I can just edit this out now because it's just <laughs> annoying. Right. Um, so you can contact the show at Twitter, at Justin Mullen. Uh, you can contact us on LinkedIn. Uh, and Joachim's here again. We do play this game of, um, I'm explaining this to our guests, of how well, they don't know. We don't know they've got guests yet, do they? Well, we normally do. Right, I'm a bit okay. wondering if it was you and I. No, it wouldn't. But how many times something gets said that Justin then claims he will edit it out later, but then doesn't? Because he gets bored and he just leaves it in. So, I, I do leave it in. Because, no, because half the time so it's funny. The I just, I just count on this podcast is one. One. Because yeah, <laughs> you won't edit that first bit out. I hope you don't, anyway. I'm not going to take it out and then I'm going to, I'm going to have to say, have to say you have to guess where the edit was. <laughs> anyway, why are we here today? We're, we're talking about something that you care about. Deeply. Deeply. We're talking about uh, data center. <laughs> All right, so the context of that was I was, on, uh, uh, I was in a meeting on Wednesday with a bunch of uh, colleagues from Australia and I was taken aback by the fact that they called something data centre and we've had a conversation about that in advance of... We do have it. listeners in Australia, you know that, don't I you? know that. Well, no, it's just, I'm not criticising the pronunciation. It but it's just not right. Surprise. It's just not right. <laughs> <laughs> Say it properly. Shall we and it's not router, not router. Yeah, but we've got, yeah, we've got to talk about the topic first, then we introduce oh, the guest. Right. Okay, sorry. So we're talking, about, we're talking about data centre today, aren't mm. we? So uh, we've this done... This is a hat-trick. This is the third of three. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. we've done hyper... Hyperflex. Hyperflex. We did Hyperflex. We had a data center one a long time ago. Yeah, and then we've also done App Dynamics. True, so this is the fourth. Fourth one on oh, in wow. within the data center world of Cisco. We've got a long way to go until we get to sort of the levels of security. It's titration I'm scared of because I think my brain might explode. Yes, I think it will too. Yeah. Well, we'll have to. If anybody wants to come and talk about data, uh, titration, then you're welcome. But we, we agreed how you were going to uh, introduce today's topic. Have you remembered? No. Can you remember that bit about you guys um, stealing all the good work that we've been doing? And oh, yeah, yeah. You've got to do the shout-outs yet, though. Oh, you jumping you in. We haven't done shout-outs. Yeah, shout-outs. We've had, I've had a By number the way, of... One of them for Roy. Roy. Uh, Roy again. again. Roy, Roy Organ, yeah, from Birmingham. <laughs> Hello. There you go. You've got another shout-out. Birmingham? That's near Stafford. Well, that's what it said Hi, on... Hi, Stafford. That's, that's what I... <laughs> Big shout-out. <laughs> of course, the, the Scottish fella from Stafford now. And Farnham. And Farnham, yeah. Uh, so Roy can't doubt us again. We also had I bumped into uh, Harry Claridge, who who was a fan of the podcast. And, was well, he was when I met him All right. the other week. We were doing some training on software defined access, which is like intent based networking for the campus. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting, like the Catalyst Nine K and all that sort of stuff. That's really cool stuff that you really like. That I really like because yeah. uh, that's my, that's what my team does. Yeah. Um, and so he sh- gave us a shout out as well. And we also had a, a one from Graham Lee as well. So hello, Graham. Nice for you. Thanks very much for, for contacting the show. Is that Graham Lee that I know, Graham? It might be. Oh. I don't know. Hi, Graham. If Hello. But we're here to talk about, um, we are talking about networking, but we're yes. talking about networking in the data centre and is yes. leading from something that uh, I like to claim that uh, the enterprise network team and the campus network team stole from data centre uh, of intent-based networking. You'd or like software to claim defi- that and you'd be absolutely correct. Yeah, yeah. We did nick it from you. Yeah. 
but and we've done lots of podcasts on that so go back to the back catalogue if you haven't want to understand a bit more about software defined access because that's where the really interesting stuff is but we're here <laughs> to talk about intent based networking today uh, in the data center so yes. i'm gonna take a step back and let you lead the next bit now oh are you Oh, that's taken me by surprise. So, um, yeah, so this is actually, um, I would consider a long-awaited topic for the podcast, given how long we've been delivering, actually, uh, intent-based networking (laughs) in the data centre. Well, you've been in in a tent? (laughs) You've been in a tent camping? In the data centre. And um, we have with us two esteemed guests. Uh, You didn't tell me they were esteemed when we were booking them. No, they're very esteemed. They are hand-selected, hand-picked. Uh, they're nodding, which is which is good for podcasting. Um, but to my left, but actually they're both on my left. So these are important details people <laughs> like to know. We have Neil Trevains. Hello, Neil. Hello, Joachim. Would you like to introduce yourself? You have to say, what's your name, where you come from? Oh, that's it. What's your name and where you come from? Uh, so Neil Trevains, uh, solutions architect in the DC team. Uh, I actually come from Paisley in Scotland, but obviously, as you can tell that by the accent. Did you did you give me your accent? Yes. <laughs> I, I, I would I would never claim because I was born I would in never, Denmark. I would never claim to have given you anything. Were you born in Denmark? Denmark? <laughs> yeah. okay. Were you actually born in compliment. Denmark? Yeah, was you? Oh, you didn't tell me that. And then I, I lived in London till I was five, and then moved to the west coast of Scotland. And at some point in that journey, I think you've given me your accent, as was. Is that right? Shall we move on? Let's move on. Okay. Uh, so the other person that's to my left, thank you, Neil. It is wonderful to have you here. Uh, equally wonderful to have on the podcast is Mr. Matt Brown, who is also in the DC team. Would you like to, well, I've given the name, but would you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, absolutely, Joachim. So hello, every- hello everyone. Um, I'm a consulting systems engineer within the data center team. So whilst Joachim and Neil operate at the high level, I tend to go down into the... uh, Is that that the difference between a a solutions architect and a consultant systems engineer? It's like trying to work out the difference. This is is how it sort of goes. I know very little. Then it goes to Neil, who knows actually quite a lot. But then you get to Matt, who kind of really knows. That's the Right, flow. Yeah, so uh, so I, I deal with all the fluffy stuff. Matt deals with all the detail. So I then come along and sweep up and fix things afterwards. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Occasionally enough. they let me out. All right, then. But it's not very often. So, um, so have you still drinking your pop? Or are you? No, I'm done. Are you, you co-hosting going? today? Not primary. I hosting? think I'm going to do a bit co-hosting. Oh, coasting. Uh, well, I'll coasting, but then I'll also ask the questions when you all start getting a bit too deep and all that sort of stuff. A bit deep and techie. So, yeah. um, so where we wanted to start this was because actually the whole notion of what's been going on, a lot of the changes uh, for, for customers and their IT environments and specifically around networking has probably been, you know, can be rooted back to about nine, ten years ago, really, in terms of uh, in terms of some of the triggers, uh, things that have been going on in customers' networks and businesses, etc. And certainly, you know, what Cisco's been doing from a kind of development perspective um, all the way through to now when we've got, you know, um, a lot of kind of mainstream capability which is available out in the market, you know, particularly delivering against some of these changes and why customers, uh, you know, need to deal with these triggers. But if I can hand over perhaps to you, Neil, just to kind of, you know, give that higher higher level, not fluffy, because I know you don't do fluffy really. Okay. Um, but, uh, but yeah, can you kind of summarise that? Why, why we are where we are, what we've been doing? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've uh, continued to build networks uh, in our data centers to support customers' businesses based principally on the same kind of networking design that we've had for the best part of 20 years. Mm. Um, 
And if you think what's happened over that 20-year period uh, in, in mobile phones, in um, the internet, those kind of things, things have moved on at a pace. Yeah. And we fundamentally hadn't changed how we designed and built those networks. There was a lot of other change that was going on. This sounds like exactly like our, our enterprise network pitch. So we stole your pitch as well as your technology. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But it's great. You Ramp, know, we rampant, like to share best rampant thievery. Plagiarism, everything. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, so in that 20-year period, we went from having perhaps a, you know, a few applications that fundamentally supported our business. Um, those applications typically resided on a single physical server. Um, and that stayed pretty static for a, for a reasonable period of time until we started to break those applications up into their constituent pieces. And we had to start putting them around the data center in, 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 various, uh, in various areas. The real- What do you mean by in various areas? So you- So you, different physical hosts. Um, so so different sitting on different servers. servers different yeah. um, so an application moved from being sitting on one box Typically, would, would, yeah. in the old days, which is about ten years so ago. So back when, uh, back in early nineteen, probably early nineteen nineties, uh, I built a I built a, a, an email platform for a, a large helicopter manufacturer, and that software just sat on one single box. Right. Okay. Now, if you fast forward to where we are with uh, that kind of email platform, now it's split up into its constituent parts. And we put them on different servers because typically they will expand and contract. Their, their scale will Depending change. on that. So the, instead of it just looking at email as an application as one thing, or the, I, mean, I, I don't know applications and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I mean, you break an email server, you break down into sort of three principal pieces. One would be where am I going to store all those messages that I'm going to receive? So something that looks kind of like a database to all intents and purposes. Um, I'm going to have something that allows me to access that mail system. So whether I'm logging on with Outlook or whether I've got some kind of webmail client. Uh, and I'm going to have some constituent elements that are all about how do I get email into and out of that platform. Um, so in the past, all of that would have been bundled up as one single piece of code and it would have sat on one single server. Um, the problem is if any one of those bits starts to get overloaded, you have to increase the capacity of the entire application and the entire box. So let's say you did a marketing campaign, perhaps around a podcast, for instance. Podcast? Uh, perhaps, Joachim, who Seems knows? Things have happened. Um, you may get a lot more message traffic coming into your mail system, but you don't need, you're not gonna keep all of that, so you don't need to change the size of the database, you don't need to change the size of the bit that delivers the front end, but you will have to increase the capacity of, of the piece that actually transfers mail into and out of. So it was about starting to give us the flexibility of um, you know, expanding and contracting the, the capabilities of the software. It was part of that reason for, for breaking them down so that we could scale them more effectively. The really big one and the really big transition was when we started to virtualize things. Um, so with VMware, um, kind of at the, at the vanguard of that, moving out of test and development into production, uh, probably with version 3, 3.5. At that stage, we then started to chop up physical boxes into lots of little virtual boxes. But each of those still needs a network port. So what happens is you get this explosion of network ports and network capacity that we never had before. 
And the designs that we were still working on were those same old designs mm. that were built and, and, and created in 1997. But we'd had a lot of things that had changed in the intervening period. So we had to try and shoehorn the most important piece, the application. That's why we build data centers. That's why we build data center networks. We had to shoehorn that applications or those applications requirements into a design from a networking perspective that fundamentally was... Um, you know, was was creaking at the seams. So, so the same challenges that we've seen in in networks, as in the growth of devices and that sort of thing. Yeah. But we're, we're the interesting thing is now that um, we have a, a, that migration over to more wireless devices. So the network is still hasn't seen, but it's been still very static. The same the data center where you actually got I need more wide ports, but the way we design it or, or my network still looks like that. But I've got more servers, so you just keep adding, 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 and growing the data yeah, I mean, center. If you think of it, I mean, I always think of it in terms of uh, you know, if you think about uh, you know end users and, and devices and the explosion of those hanging off the network, and that's been a big driver for change and transition. You know, as you talked about, but that's what virtualization has driven, and 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 now more recently things like containers, etc., container environments. The, the volume of you know different instances and therefore the but need that's for your, where your application has grown instead of being on one server it's now on multiple servers and now your application and it's not physical is, servers and it's, it's yeah, yeah and yeah. It's, and then it's also your your um, application is broken up into bits now into into smaller into sort of micro not micro segmentation no uh, oh, what do you call it now containers containers and microservices microservices that's it I knew it was micro something <laughs> not microwave or anything like that but microservices yeah so that's the bit of so that you're you're really sort of you got uh, macro segmentation, and then you've got uh, I don't know. I'll edit this bit out because I don't know what I'm on about. But yeah, you've gone. <laughs> That's sm- the second thing that he won't edit out. <laughs> I was actually going to edit that bit out because I haven't a clue what I talk about. Um, but it is that you've you've broken applications up into the into functions, but then you've broken them down again with containerization and and, and yeah. So so, so fundamentally, what it means from a from a network perspective is essentially we've gone from a rack of having you know maybe 20 to 30 servers in in that rack and and each one of those servers is doing its you know it's got its own function so it's just got one mac address one ip address or maybe two ips if you're doing a bit of redundancy and then what we've transitioned to in terms of virtualization is we've still got the 30 servers in a rack but actually we might have 30 or 40 virtual machines on each one of those servers. So now what we've gone is of having a, a density of 30 servers to potentially having a density of nine, 900 servers within that same rack. And actually we had the same networking switches at the top of that rack. And so the requirements have gone from 30 up to 900. And, so but the that. network looked the same and that's the difference yeah, and that's what had to change. Yeah, so fundamentally okay. the network was still the same. It was still built on that that kind of 1997 design when we, we really started to, to build out true switch networks. Uh, that was when we bought we bought a company called Crescendo and things like the Catalyst was born. Um, that was kind of where the, the take the, the, that whole data center switch network kind of took off. Um, so we've got fundamentally we've got more applications uh, in terms of you know an actual clearly defined app, whether that's mail, whether that is uh, enterprise resource planning, whatever it might be, supply chain management. Uh, we've simply got more of them um, because increasingly we are businesses that are driven by technology and driven by software. Um, and those applications themselves are then broken up into smaller and smaller constituent pieces. Uh, and that, that drive to break them down into almost kind of their atomic level 
is you know that continues apace whether that's containers and microservices whether that's some of the things that uh, amazon and google are doing with this idea of functions as a service um that 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 scale is is only going to increase um so fundamentally we needed to change that architecture mm. so quick question then so the one thing we always talk about is that the the application or the network's never as quick to develop is never as quick as what app developers want it to be or to live the services. Is that still, is that? So that, yeah, that's part of it. So that part of the, part of the driving force and probably one of the other things that's changed in that kind of, you know, 20 odd year period is obviously that rise in, in, uh, in public cloud and public cloud adoption. So the rise of the hyperscalers like AWS, um, that'll be Amazon web services. then. Yeah. Uh, and Microsoft Azure, uh, Google Cloud Platform, but in the sense of of developer, the developer yeah, is so king. As in, is the the app. That's what it feels to me, anyway. Yeah. Is that the, the if I'm developing an application, I want to have access to resources. I want it now. I need to do it. I want to be agile, agile, agile. And the network's gone. Well, I'm not really that agile. Yeah, and that that's that's the, the mm. kind of the, the point of, of of talking about the hyperscalers is the one piece of that puzzle that was missing. The one piece of the cloud puzzle that was missing. I keep wanting to say, what's a hyperscaler? Uh, AW, uh, Amazon Web Services, Azure, Public Cloud. We call, so them hyper, we call them hyperscalers because if you go and look inside one of their data centers, it is vast in terms of the, of the number of endpoints that they actually work with. Okay. And, and so we say that they Is that work, an industry term or just yeah, something? Okay. That's an industry term. That's right. So we say we work I've learned at, a new word. We work, they <laughs> say that they work at hyperscale. Um, and we could, we could do a lot of things around how you do compute. So virtualization gave us that capability of being able to, to, to create kind of compute instances very quickly. We could do a lot of stuff with storage. The, the fly in the ointment was the networking piece because uh, you know, a network is designed to be dynamic in terms of where am I actually gonna put traffic. Um, so if you think about it as a kind of a, you know, a, a road system, um, if you've got uh, diversions, you've got traffic lights, you've got filter lanes, you can adjust where that traffic flow is going to go. But fundamentally, the tarmac always stays in the same place. And a network, a network is a little bit like that, in that we move traffic around to various different areas, but fundamentally how that network is configured and constructed is really pretty static. You know, it's a set of, it's a set of command line uh, you know, capabilities that you can read in a, in a, in a text format. Um, and that Sorry, I, I got to the point where I got the point that you you said about the tarmac is there. So in my head, I'm thinking, well, you wired your networks is is like that, and it seems like that. But actually, though you physically have a network that looks in a certain way, you you configure it to do different things or to configure it to. So so the network the network is designed to 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 route traffic in different directions. And that's the same in the data center places. then as well. And that's the same in the data center as well. How I configure that network, so once I've actually plumbed it all in, connected all the cables in, powered it up, how I actually configure the elements that make up that uh, that network, you know, effectively the bunch of boxes that sit and make up that network. Those are static configurations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's a set of command lines and that is it. Um, so if I then want to make that network do something different, I've got to fundamentally go back into each and every single box. I've got to make changes to these static configurations. And the, the complexity of that is just, is just way too high. I can't move at the speed mm. and the pace that the storage and the compute piece can. So, you know, we, we, we talk about this idea of 
having to drive agility. You know, it's one of the probably one of the most overused terms in 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 our industry. We talk about this idea of having to drive agility, the ability to move at the pace of the business, and the network was one of those elements that prevented us from doing that. We needed a different way. The idea of the idea of talk, having to talk to 200 different boxes, individual boxes, even if they were for, from, a, from a single manufacturer, that, that doesn't lend itself to being able to be kind of fleet of foot. So, so fundamentally, there needs to be an architectural change. Okay, so I think that leads us on to the next bit, isn't it? Of, of, so what is that change? And, and I think we talked about why it's needed. We've, we've definitely covered that. So what, what, what's, what's changing? What is this thing that we've done? So part of this was where software-defined networking came in. Yeah. So we we had this wonderful term that was created in the industry called called software defined networking, which for most companies and arguably for most vendors is still don't know. You know, it, it's it's a it's a fluid term. Um, different vendors will have different views. Different analysts will have different views. But one of the kind of core pieces of that was, and it's about the idea of kind of defined, is. We wanted to create that single point of control. So instead of logging on to, uh, you know, attaching myself to 200 different boxes, I wanted to go to one point. I wanted to go to a point where I could make a, a configuration change and that configuration change would flow across the entire network. Because I was looking at it from what does an application need? Somebody has developed an application, it has a, it has a set of characteristics that it needs, compute, storage, networking, security, I want to be able to create those things in one place with a single view of my entire network. So my network starts to look like that idea of a fabric. It's not just a, it's not Bob, a bunch of boxes. It is effectively almost behaving like a single switch. Um, so the idea of centralized control was a good thing, and that came out of software-defined networking. So define was a, a key part of that. How do I build out that? That, uh, that look and feel. And this is kind of where that idea of intent comes from. I want to take uh, a principally a business intent, translate it into a technology intent, something I want to happen, and then I want to push that down and make that become come alive inside my, inside my data center network. Um, the other element was our data center networks were so complicated, so complex, um, lots of different physical components but then when you started to look at kind of uh the, the the logical element the piece that you would construct in the software that was sitting on top top of those switches it became even more complicated um and you know we're, we're past the point of being able to imagine all of this in, in in our own head it's gone beyond that increased complexity drives operational risk the more complex something is the more likely it's going to fail um, the more complex it is the harder it is to understand actually what is going on inside that data center network. So the other piece was to uh, to gain some telemetry, to gain some information as to what was fundamentally uh, happening in that network. Was it was you know was it passing the, the the piece of information that we needed? And we'll talk a little bit later on about how we've kind of extended that model even further. Um, we also wanted to build uh, a network that fundamentally. Um, handled that change in traffic patterns and the change in 
the number of elements that we had sitting underneath that, the number of physical servers. And so what we did, a little bit like the enterprise networking team did when they stole the idea of intent-based networking from us in DC, was we went and stole something from the world of telecoms, from telephony. Yeah. So after we stopped having... Um, operators in telephone exchanges saying I'm just connecting your call and unplugging a, a wire and plugging it into another port. Once we started to create valves and transistors, um, we built a telephone network, which if you think about it now, I can make a call on my mobile phone. I have no idea where that other person is on the other end of that phone, but my call setup time, my call experience, all of those things is consistent, it's predictable, um, and that's really what the telephony network was set up to do. The telephony network was set up that I could make a call in at any point and receive a call out at any point. Its behavior was predictable. The experience was predictable. The experience was consistent. So we stole that. Um, it's a branch of mathematics. Um, that's a circuit switching though, isn't it? So, so yeah, to, 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 an ex to an extent. I mean, it, it ends up being its clause. It's named after a German mathematician. Um, and it's what all of our telephony, uh, all of our telephone exchanges are fundamentally built on and how they interlink with each other. So we did the same thing in the data center. So the, the thing is I'm getting from that then is, is the principle of I want to make a phone call between two people and it just happens. We, we go, right, this person's here, this yeah. person's here, let's create that circuit, yeah. make the call, bang, call's finished, circuit's turned down, yeah. toned down. The same now is with an application, as in one, one piece of application wants to speak to another part, or one part of the data center wants to speak to another part of the data center, you create that circuit let the information flow and then bang it's gone yeah so the difference is the, 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 and it's that quick of trying to make it that level of so one of the differences is typically that would stay up for a you know that would stay up throughout the entire life of that application so tearing it back down again might be something that right okay here. so that's interesting because that's the bit of my head would be yeah. so in the old are we going back to the olden days now so the olden days was you'd set up a connection between these two different databases or this application and this other database yeah. it needs to talk to yeah. and that would be there forever yeah now so that's that that's so, great in the principle but obviously it's still heavy lifting yeah so and, and that's still for, for certain applications that will still stay there if it's something that is your accounting system arguably that's probably going to stay there you'll set that up and it will, it will stay there for the lifetime of that package which might be 20 years 25 years um, increasingly though we started to uh, see uh, applications because of this need to kind of expand and contract the idea that we talked about a kind of virtualization and distributing our applications some of those elements would appear in different places because virtual machines in themselves are mobile. Um, that's what gives us, makes them highly available. That's what allows us to make the most out of the underlying. So you're saying that the virtual machines, so I think I've got the principle of a virtual machine, as in you have a physical, physical server and in there you virtually break it up so you can have lots of mini yeah, servers. Lots of mini servers. Lots of mini servers in there. But they also move around, so they, they don't stay on the, they don't say on the same box. They just they can move around no. through, through for resiliency reasons or whatever. And that that's really what that's was really when VMware went from being test and development into production was the ability to move a virtual machine from one physical box that I could go and touch to another one. Because if that physical box died, what happened to all of those? Instead of just you know having one server disappearing i might have 20 servers disappearing because inside that one physical box would be 20 little mini servers so i wanted to be able to move them off of there onto another box 
to make sure that they stayed up. They and and then and from an, in my head is on the network perspective, you take a particular circuit, you have to make sure that every single circuit was everywhere because if I move my virtual machine, I need to make sure the network is the same everywhere. Exactly. And this, and this is where the challenge came, that actually you needed layer two everywhere. So, and that, and that was one of the constraining pieces of way that we used around how we used to design up. Doesn't do networks, networks do, do data center networks? Oh, these virtual machines need layer two. Then I'm assuming everybody knows what layer two is, listeners. <laughs> but yeah, that's, so on a you know on a layer two or, or you know access to the same subnet, for example, access to the same VLAN, because actually, you know, if that virtual machine is is going down here and then coming up over here in a different part of the data center, actually, I'm not going to go and re-IP that virtual machine. You know, in parts, you know, as part of that, it needs to have access to the same default gateway that it's had before. And so that previously brought us challenges around actually, you know, with spanning tree and all that sort of stuff. How on earth do I ensure that my broadcast domain is small enough um, to actually prevent, you know, failures and that sort of stuff? So one of the things, I mean, one of the things I know you spend most of your days doing, Matt, and also you, Neil, as well, but but is 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 talking to customers and in some in some respects it's it's trying to help them understand how they they make these changes um without you know uh, well considering risk mitigation because obviously you know the network is absolutely critical where your applications running on it and, and in today's you know i think it's this thing about it is a complex environment and i think sometimes you know we we're guilty of, of almost promoting the com the complexity of it because you're kind of cisco slightly honest johnny will say well look this isn't going to be easy you need to know what you're going into um however there's some aspects in there around well how does this how does this actually make it simpler easier better for customers because i know that's the sorts of questions that you get on a you know hourly daily basis yeah so if you think back to the way that we used to design networks you know, go back through any CCNA, CCMP book, then, you know, the design principles for that were you had a core, an aggregation, and an access. You know, and that aggregation layer was typically where, you, where, where your default gate would, sorry, your default gateway would be, yeah. um, where you would connect your layer four to seven services, so your firewalls, your load balances, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, those aggregation boxes became incredibly complex because they had, you know, that's where the intelligence of the network was held. That's where we had access lists. That's where we had your IP addresses, mm. all, all of that sort of stuff. And then underneath that, we had our access layer switches that were connected using spanning tree or VPC. So of course there we had, you know, you might have blocking links that were, you know, sort of costed out and, and sitting idle. Um, and then, you know, that led to a large sort of broadcast and failure domain. Um, you know, and challenges around VLAN scale and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, that's the way that we used to do things. And then, you know, with, you know, the new way of doing things, we've evolved to a sort of like spine and leaf architecture. Mm -hmm. So that's coming down to a two-tier architecture. You know, the spine switches have that core functionality that, you know, we had previously, yeah. where they are just really solely concentrated around fast packet switching. That's all they're doing. Is Do you want to just, you're talking about spine and leaf now, and I'm, I'm like, sort of, okay, but what does that, what does that mean? Because I know we, we were throwing a lot of jargon around now. Kind of, yeah, so as part of that, you know, those challenges that we had with the three-tier three -tier architecture, what, what we've now evolved to is a two-tier architecture. Mm. And, you know, many people have, have heard it now, and, and, and that's, you know, an architecture that's called spine and leaf. So this is where we have, you know, typically... 
you know, the spine boxes are just providing the connectivity for the leaf switches. So all of that intelligence that we once had in the aggregation layer, we then we then move that down to the leaf layer. That becomes distributed yeah. on that leaf layer. Um, so those those spine switches are just providing connectivity and bandwidth. That's all we care. So packets in, packets out. Um, and so, you know, we then move that intelligence layer down to the leaf. So mm -hmm. that's default gateways, you know, all of that sort of stuff. But the challenge there becomes actually, hang on, how do I get my layer two connectivity between, you know, different leaf switches? So that's where there's a technology called VXLAN has come in. Mm -hmm. So that's where we provide um, an encapsulation between two different endpoints, essentially an overlay of the of the underlying physical infrastructure to allow. It's, that. it's like basically building a tunnel. Then is it? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Between between the two different so endpoints in the data center. Yeah. So this is the circuit switching that Neil was referring to, okay. building that tunnel endpoint between, you know, between the hosts. And what? I because mean, one of the things um, you know that I hear, I know we hear, uh, uh, we get. Um, people who are worried about making, say, people customers, partners, of, of, you know, they're worried about making these transitions. Um, they see them as risky. Um, you know, they've, they've they've got an understood way of doing things that they know delivers against you know key, some of the absolute key table stakes, if you like, on, on what you need from the network. What kind of you know what what kind of worries do they sort of chuck at you and say, well, what about this? What about that? How, how do we kind of help them overcome their 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 concerns and the risks that they feel around moving from one type of network and delivering a network to what we're saying here around you know, around ACI and and spine and leaf nine K etc. So this so 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 this is the thing is that actually you know spine and leaf we can build using you know, open protocols, VXLAN you know. Uh, but there's an awful lot of work to go into that. Mm -hmm. Awful lot of architectural engineering, tuning, et cetera, et cetera. You know, just for some fabric connectivity, really. So what we've done with with ACI is that actually all of that's available out of the box. Right. You know, what, does a, what does ACI stand for? Application-centric infrastructure. So remember, if you think right at the very beginning about what's driving all of this, uh, is application the changes the number of it was, I, it was I'm trying to you show off oh look at you I know what you, you know what you're on about is about what does as the thing is it's an acronym what does well, it I, was stand just trying for? To, I was just trying to draw it back because some people don't get the the link to you know ACI and the application centric but to what's actually going on in, in the network okay so it's what's going on in the network so going on for the application but then as that cascades through the network um, one other way to think about it is is automation centric infrastructure. Yeah. <laughs> or oh, just decide because because there's another because we've thrown another one in because when we when we first came out with this we we tied it very much to the world of uh, the world of applications yeah um, the reality is what we're trying to do because because this idea of the cloud public cloud and that experience of when I'm deploying and delivering an application about how that experience behaves. A lot of that is built on automation. It's built on software fundamentally driving that. So actually thinking about this idea of kind of application-centric infrastructure, actually thinking about it in terms of an automation-centric infrastructure, how do I, you know, back to that idea of how do I possibly create a software uh, software automation capability to log on to 200 separate boxes effectively and make a change across all of those boxes? With what we do from an, an ACI perspective, we create that single point, 
And that single point is where I do all my automation and orchestration from. You know, sort of building on Neil's automated centric infrastructure point and actually yeah. bringing that to life. You know, actually what that means is that, you know, I get my switches, I rack them, power them on, cable them, and build that leaf spine architecture. I then connect my controller to that network. And, and what that will then do is that it will download the correct image that I want to run. It's then going to discover the other switches within that environment. It's going to configure them and bring that fabric up to an operational state where that all I need to concern myself with is configuring the host ports. Now, I don't need to worry about spine to leaf ports. I don't need to worry about OSPF or PIM or BGP or VXLAN. You know, I know I've thrown a lot of protocols out there, but that's the complexity that we take away with something like HCI. And that's what, and that's what I'm. So that's what I'm hearing, right? So, so you know, it, it, we've got a, we've got a job, we've got a responsibility to recognise that there is an awful lot of complexity, but actually, it's we've got to package it and yeah. deliver that kind of out of the box, right? Yeah. So we don't want customers to unnecessary because it's not. We were having a bit of a preamble before the podcast started, but it's 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 you know this stuff doesn't go away. We've got to take care of it. But we want to, you know, we also recognise that building networks isn't necessarily core to a customer's business. No. But they, but they, but they've got to have one, which is, you, you know, which is delivering against all of these characteristics and needs that support their business and how that's changing from a technology standpoint. So I'm absolutely hearing the simplification of the experience. There's definitely a, a speeding up of, you know, when you take those problems away and, and some of that upfront work. So there's there's a there's a, a kind of return to value to use that. Or a speed of value, if you like, that that, that you think about when deploying, uh, the, the deploying networks. And the other thing I, I I'm hearing is also around the piece around risk. So there is a lot of heritage and knowledge and expertise that is required that, that goes into building a network. If you're able to then package that, um, you, you're not losing any of that. You're not taking the risk of that going away. Uh, and actually, it's almost that kind of enterprise grade off the shelf. I think you used the phrase, Neil. You know, that's available on you know on day one for customers just to say, right, there we go. Fundamentally, you should be building a network uh, focused, to, to Matt's point, you should mm. be focused on what is it exactly that I'm driving across that network. That's the applications. Those applications will exist on, on the hosts, on the servers, whether they are you know, a bit of bent metal or whether they are virtual machines that sitting there or increasingly now where they start to become this idea of, of containers which are... Um, you know, are, are typically very short-lived in, in terms of their nature. That's what I should be focused on. I should be focused on how those application pieces talk to each other. Mm. I shouldn't have to focus on what fundamentally sits underneath it. Um, so if I'm, you know, going back to that analogy of, of making a phone call, if I make a phone call, I'm, I'm interested in my phone number and the phone number of the person that I'm reading. I'm, I'm interested in the two endpoints of that conversation, of that flow. I, unless I have a particular interest in what's going on inside a BT telephone exchange, I have no interest in that, in that piece underneath. Absolutely, it has to be there. It has to be rock solid. It has to be predictable. It has to be all of those things. And this is this idea of, well, we can build that. You know, to Matt's point and, and, and to your point, Jorgen, we, can, we can build that. We can take that piece... Um, which is, you know, as Matt says, is is a is a complex beast. Let's be honest. Any transition that we make within the world of IT is uh, is non-trivial. Mm. There is a level of complexity. So whether I'm talking about adopting 
you know, this idea of spine and leaf, which every networking incumbent vendor now has their as their go-to strategy is based around that. Whether I'm talking about, do I start to move some of the applications that drive my business into the cloud? All of those things inherently are, are, are non-trivial exercises. We need to be really clear about that. So this is, you know, there's some work that needs to be done with this, but it's more about a shift of focus and a shift of kind of vocabulary. There's a lot of things that we build out of the box to drive down that time to operational value, to, to build the underlying constituent components so that we can focus as network engineers on the really important piece, which is how do I get this application over here to talk to that application over there? I think, I think what's also vital as well is that, you know, you put a data center network in that is capable of still connect, still, still, still connecting your bare metal servers. Because every, you know, every company out there has still got, you know, even if it's a very small amount of sort of legacy or traditional bare metal servers, you know, for whatever particular application need is there, they'll also have some virtual components, whether that's VMware or Hyper-V or KVM. You know, we've seen an increase in KVM these days as well. And then also, you know, there might be a container environment. It might only be a very small one, but, you know, we've seen those environments grow. So it's the need of having that network that can talk across, you know, from literally, you know, those application setups that are donkey's years old, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that could be a mainframe as well, right? Yeah. You know, you know, you know, customers still have mainframes computing a lot of their business. Mm. But they still need to be at the forefront of the application development in order to gain that business advantage. And I think, um, I mean, I think that's a, a that's a really interesting point because what we've been, you know, what we're talking about is is taking, you know, everything to your point that's in some respects donkey's years old, um, and 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 delivering a kind of off the shelf way of of doing that in a quicker, better, easier, right. Um, but also, you know, building something which is not looking just back and 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 at today, but looking ahead. Uh, at what the changing demands are, and we've, and we've talked about some of those. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm slightly conscious that we're, we're of of the of the podcast hour that were that were allowed. I mean, can we talk a little bit about saying right? Okay, so we've got you know because because ACI is a is an established mainstream technology. There's lots of customers who uh, have adopted it. Um, but but where are we looking to now? What are some of the, some of the other things that we're you know that we're bringing in that also kind of look ahead to maybe the change in environment, change in demands, and also building in even more resilience and capability into, into those deployments. So we've, one of the key things is how do, how do I assure um, that what I, so this idea of intent, I want, I want intent's about I want to do something. Um, it is, uh, it is not about did it actually happen. It, it's, you know, that idea of intention, intentions, you know, I, I, I there's all sorts of stories about about me about things I've intended to do, which haven't <laughs> fundamentally panned out. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think you can say those things on the podcast. I just just want to. All right, okay. I'll, I'll be I'll be uh, I'll be con I'll be conscious of that. Thanks, Justin. But it, it's <laughs> it, intent. You know, the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. We also need to make sure that what we actually put down there has been turned into what we expected. That it is delivering fundamentally. On what it was so we've looked at this from a from a network assurance perspective yeah so um, we have something that we originally called candid um, can it did it that's really where that name came from 
Uh, and in our inimitable style, we took that kind of like kind of quite catchy name and turned it into Cisco Network Assurance Engine. Um, so it sounds like can it, did it, done it. Pretty much. That's right. But it's no Cisco but then, Network but Assurance Engine. Cisco Network Assurance Engine. <laughs> exactly. We're so good at naming um, the product. And that's about, you know, that's about mathematically, mathematically modeling that underlying network, taking what I wanted it to do, and then being able to prove out that it actually does what, what, it, what it's supposed to do. So that's a, a big key part of what we're doing going forward. And then there are other elements around extending that single view of the networking world, that single view of what's sitting inside my data center. How do I do that across multiple data centers. Um, how do I do that where I don't have a full data center network necessarily in a particular uh, in a particular site? And ultimately, how do I do that up in those hyperscale vendors, up in those public cloud vendors? So what I want to be able to do is make one decision about how my networking should work for an application um, and have the freedom to execute that application in, in any venue that I choose, knowing that that intent, the policy, the security that sits around it will follow that application. So, so the thing that's, that, that, that comes to my mind around, around this and, and is it's great what you've discussed, but obviously you've got those hyperscale vendors like Azure and uh, AWS. My, the thing that comes to me is, wouldn't you not want to do what we've just discussed in there, it, it, you'd expect them to be doing that, would you? Or is this something that you, even though you'd have, to, even though that's a big, massive hyperscale virtual environment, you've got to go in there and if, if I want to have all the benefits that you've talked about here to have them in the cloud. Is that a stupid question, or is that? No, I mean that's that's one of the prop. So one of the promises about the cloud is that is that you can have exactly what. Because all I'm, I'm not being, st- I mean, I know I'm not a data center guy, but I just mean all all is a a like AWS or Azure is just I've. I don't own a data center anymore. It's just somebody else's data center and they're doing all the, the heavy lifting for me but, from but a hardware perspective. Part of that is I then abdicate the responsibility of how do I control what sits in there. Um, and how, so how do I guarantee security? How do I guarantee performance between pieces of applications that might be sitting in that infrastructure? And increasingly, the world is... The, the world is a, is a hybrid world. The world is a combination of, you know, we've already talked about it from, Matt's already talked about it, the idea of bare metal, virtual machines, containers. But also we've got a data center that I might own. We might have something that I rent off of somebody, a co-location facility, and I've got some workloads in there. I might have something that is in AWS. I might take a piece of Azure because there's a particular function that they offer. Um, Google Cloud Platform is a prime example. I was thinking there must be other. Yeah, do you have to say that other other hyperscaler yeah, vendors other are, are vendors available. are available? There really are only three. Um, <laughs> there, there's a, there's a few that are kind of trying to catch up, but they really are only the uh, the, the industry recognises them as really the only three. I might take something from Google because Google does some very clever things around um, machine learning and, and analytics and intelligence. Um, but throughout all of that. So I've got that idea that my applications now could exist across a whole different series of places. How do I guarantee the fundamental plumbing, for want of a better word, that sits underneath that? How do I guarantee that the same quality of service is provided between those elements? How do I guarantee the performance is still the same? How do I fundamentally guarantee that the security is the same? And that's really what you know, what we're doing with this idea of ACI anywhere. You should be able to apply the same policy regardless of where that application or its constituent elements are actually housed. That sounds awesome. (laughs) 
I quite it like does. that. ACI anyway. Maybe it sounds like um, I think one of the things I found with the with the with the data center based podcast is we tend to get get to a point and we very neatly finish with the cliffhanger, which is well, okay. There's a whole host of other things that we then that we then want to to, to lead in and and, and talk about because we know it's 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 fast moving, ever changing. Um, what you've just described there is is your is your typical customers environment these days you know this multi-cloud being a reality incorporating many of if not all of the things that you've that you've talked about and and you know we're we're looking at that and in some cases trying to see around the corner i can't believe i've just used that phrase well see around the corner i just used that phrase i can't believe it you need shooting for that oh my god you'll be saying journey next do you know what it was you know i said i say the j word now quite quite (laughs) recently i was it was 10 years in cisco that's where that that's 10 years in cisco that's frightening I just done eleven. My God. Anyway, so I think, yeah, I think it would be great as we as we as we as we get into some of these other other areas, you know, because I think assurance is going to be a real hot topic. Does that mean we got to come do another one? This is my cell, you see. My cell is. <laughs> you, you are that very we leave different. Every data center podcast with the need for another one. You are very yeah. different to this in podcast because you are more in the sort of the the host chair, and I'm more in the production production chair. I'm just keeping the levels right. He's been there. He's been he's and been asking doing stupid the levels, questions, but he's I do been love telling I, me to shut up. He's been doing all sorts. But uh, I, I do love the old. Uh, the, well, I know you didn't say circuit switching, but in my head, I'm going back to my engineering days, and it was like circuit switching, packet switching. It is. It's gone back, and I just think I'm going to steal that and use that for software defined network working for the campus well, steal things SDA. again steal things again yes i'm going to steal stuff <laughs> but um is there is there anywhere where it sounds like we've sort of come to a wrap and then we can do you're going to ask for a website again aren't yeah you? yeah cisco.com forward slash go forward slash aci there you go there we are if you want to find out more on that yeah. um it's felt a bit weird today because you've been in charge <laughs> and, in and you know what you're talking about oh, oh, oh. <laughs> So I'm going, to, I'm going to refute both of those things. I'm never in charge when you're around. And I don't know what I'm talking about compared to these guys. But uh, but no, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, you guys have been brilliant. So thank you for coming along and uh, and, and, and sharing oh, your oh, wisdom we got, and we got, expertise. Oh, oh, we've oh, got, oh, we've oh, got... What? We've got we've, what, what, what? Do you have to do that? I, cannot, I definitely edit that bit out because that looked a bit weird. That's number it's four, five. Number four. So there's been quite a few but edits we got, we got, we got the new thing that we've added now, isn't it? The new... Um, the, 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 the couple of segments, the, the swag segment... Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So you were supposed so, to ask that up front. You forgot. No, no. You do it at the end. You always do it at the end. Oh, it's a good tail off thing. Okay. Um, apparently, so uh, we have a apparently we now have a p- proper production team who tell us what we're supposed to be talking about or how to do it better. We're but yeah, yeah. So, it. so for those who can't, <laughs> for those who just listen to the podcast for the first time, um, go back and listen to our back catalogue. Um, also, uh, this is conference swag. So, what is your best bit of conference swag that you've ever had? Go on, Neil. You uh, look. Uh, Nintendo Wii. Oh, Jesus Christ. Wait, I mean, so there's no you point get in anyone Nintendo else Wii. I was going to no, say it's not fidget a spinner. Yeah, well, you, you were happy fidget with that. Spinner, that was it. And I, you know, I was Hero Dad for a while, but Nintendo Wii. I was Hero Dad for a long time. <laughs> I just remember getting balls, the, the shiny balls that, that, that like light up when you bounce them and take them home when my kids were younger and I'd come back from conferences and you'd be like, all this crap would come out of your bag. But then you'd find them under cha- under under sofas. You'd be hoovering and going, what's that? Oh, it's a bloody one of them. And then you'd go and throw them in the bin. What about you, Matt? I've, the best thing I had was a flying monkey. Where it's a all, flying it, monkey? It's, what, a real monkey? Well, no. It was a but like off the Wizard oh, of Oz. Like, oh, I know them. The catapulty ones. You fling it and catapult it. I, I, flying oh, monkey. I'm, I'm in the Wizard of Oz now. <laughs> I think flying monkey's good. Yeah. Mm. It was always good to around the office. And is there any tech jargon you'd like to get rid of? The word journey. I'd agree with that. 
That's in that's in room tech one oh one. I'll add a sound effect. <laughs> You've just done it with the sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh run journey, go on then. Oh go on Matt. Uh, I say double click. Oh uh, yeah. Double click on that. Yeah, I uh, so people double... say that. Well, they used it. That was that was about two. That was yeah. Like, no, people that would. Was you either you either double click into something or pivot away from it. Yeah. So pivot. You don't. I, I, I don't like. You don't like pivot. Yeah. And can we can we also get rid of the the term? I'll just reach out to you because unless you're a member of the four tops, you shouldn't be saying <laughs> that term. Have you and on got, that bombshell? Have you got any conference? To, did you actually admit to anything? No. I, I yeah. Conference no. work. My best one. My best one. I didn't even get a tech conference. I got. It was a giveaway at uh, when they opened the uh, you know the big Westfield Mall in New York down at um, in Manhattan. Oh, no, the, oh yeah, yeah. I'm the. I got. Weekend. It is. It's the best <laughs> phone. It's the you know the bat, the chargers the portable charger. But it's quite big. But it it's uh, it was a Tumi one and it's great and it, and it is like you can get two full charges maybe more out of it. But it's awesome. It's so, my- did, so did you notice that? So Westfield Shopping Centre, drop yeah. that one in. Yeah. New uh, York. Manhattan, yeah. drop that one yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. And then it was a Toomey charger, drop that one uh, in. Uh, other bag manufacturers are available, but if you want to send me a bag, I would take it. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> anyway, there we go. Uh, should we finish? It's time to finish. We, and we've, we've, when hopefully we get under the hour. <laughs> we will. We will. You're Good. amazing editing skills. We'll be about a five minutes, and it'll be just Neil and Matt. <laughs> Thank you, Justin. It's been All right. wonderful. Thanks for uh, thanks very much for listening. If you want to ask uh, any of the guys a question, you go find them on LinkedIn and, and do a little message to them. Uh, if you want to contact the show, uh, which please do. I mean, LinkedIn seems to be very popular, so contact us via LinkedIn. Uh, tweet us at Justin Woolen. Uh, you can email me at Justin at Justin at Cisco dot com. No, no, Justin at Cisco dot com. Two O's one L. There you go. I got that wrong again. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening.